Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Well, how many of you brought your Bibles tonight? I didn't even get a grunt there. I didn't even get, didn't even get heavy breathing or anything right there. How many of you brought your Bibles tonight? You brought your roadmap for successful living. Let's go ahead and get them opened up tonight. We're continuing about praying for my pastor. Apparently, I need it. And that's what the Lord uh, put us on this course to learn about praying for those that he's instructed us to pray for. And so we talked last week that it's the will of God to pray for our spiritual leaders. We found multiple instances in the Word of God that tells us, going over to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll look at just one of them. So we have a foundational base uh, to encourage each one of us to pray for our spiritual leaders. This is 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're down in verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul speaking by the Spirit of God. And he says, Brethren, I guess we could also say sisterin, pray for us. Do what? Pray for us. Now, what are we asking? What, what, what is the, the request of this prayer? That the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. Amen. So we found several different points of why we're to pray for our leaders. And number one, ministers, those that, that have been given a grace of God or a ministry gift from God, are placed in the body for a particular reason or purpose. We saw this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. It says that Jesus, when he ascended on high, it says that he gave gifts unto the people. Understand that it was vitally important for Jesus to leave his earthly ministry. He had to leave so that he could send the Holy Spirit back to be upon us to do his work. So when he sat down at the right hand of God, it says that he gave gifts to who? He gave gifts to people. He gave gifts unto us, the body of Christ. Now, what are these gifts? In verse 11, it tells us that some were given as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So we see here that the office of the pastor is a supernatural gift from God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. We're not just holding a position, a natural position. It's a spiritual position in the body of Christ. It's an anointing. It's a grace. It's a divine enablement by God to shepherd his people like Jesus himself shepherded us while he was here for three and a half years. Now, what is their purpose? What are these fivefold ministry gifts placed in the body to do? Verse 12. They're there to train, or could we say equip who? The saints. For what purpose? For the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? To build up. Everybody say to build up the body of Christ or to grow the body of Christ. And these ministry gifts will do this work of service in the body until we all reach, verse 13, the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, that we would grow into a mature body, <clears throat> a mature man, with a statured measured 
<clears throat> excuse me, by Christ's fullness. <clears throat> so we being the spiritual body of Christ, the ministry gifts are getting this spiritual body to grow to a place of maturity and effectiveness in doing the work of God on the earth. So Jesus gave the ministry gifts to grow and to equip the body of Christ. This is the number one reason why Satan has done all that he can to keep people from going to church. Because in the church is where we see the ministry of these fivefold ministry gifts in operation. So if he can separate us with some kind of an illusion that we don't need the church, that we don't need anyone else, we're, we can do it on our own. That's kind of like the three-year-old at home that says, I don't need my mommy or my daddy. To them, it might seem reasonable, but, you know, it's just not going to happen. Amen? So point number one, that God has given us these gifts for a specific person, and we've been, we've been really focusing on the gift of the, of the shepherd, the gift of the pastor. Thus the title, Praying for My Pastor. Point number two, God's the one who sets up who we are in his body. In 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says that God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleases him. Notice it isn't as it pleases me. You've all heard my story. When I began to see that the Lord had called us into the pastoral ministry, that was not our first choice. We wanted to help in ministry. We didn't really want a leading role in ministry. But we finally succumbed to the perfect will of God. Amen? So he set us in the body as it pleases him. Point number three, understand that these ministry gifts are not simply those who are gifted naturally. They're gifted and anointed spiritually by a work of the Holy Spirit that's on their life. It's a, it's a spiritual gift. And that's why ministry gifts should not operate based upon their personality, based on their charisma, based upon natural things. They need to develop that gifting so that the gift operates in the Spirit by the work of the Holy Spirit through them. Look at this in Acts 10.38, and we're going to pray here in a moment. Now, understand that these giftings operate by God's grace that's been deposited in their hearts and also by the anointing or the empowerment of the Holy Spirit enabling them to function in that office. Look at Jesus here in Acts 10.38. It said that God did what? He anointed. Now, that word anointed simply means to be empowered. Empowered by who? God. Because it says God anointed. Who did God anoint? Jesus of Nazareth. Now, we've mentioned this multiple times. I guess it bears repetition. Jesus did not operate in his earthly ministry as the Son of God, even though he was the Son of God. He laid down his privileges as the Son of God and therefore became as a man who had to be empowered by God to do his works. And so that's what we're seeing here, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Then through that empowerment, through that anointing, through that gifting, he was empowered by God to do good. Hallelujah. In healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. So every work of the Lord's earthly ministry was accomplished by God by anointing Jesus. Now, this is the fourth point, and I want you to grab a hold of it. This is where we're going to go tonight. Point number four. Praying for the giftings upon the pastor. 
or for that matter, anyone that's been anointed by God to operate in a ministry gift. Prayer activates that anointing that God placed on them. Does that make sense? This is why the Apostle Paul is saying, pray for us. Because what happens is, is when you begin praying for that gifting that's upon them, you're now activating it. And now you can become a recipient of that anointing. So point number four, praying for ministers, or could we say tonight, praying for your pastor, activates the grace and the anointing that God placed on them. Hallelujah, let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for helping us to see the relevance, the importance of praying for your ministry gifts, and more precisely in praying for the pastor that you've given us. Jesus, you've never promised to give us a church. You promised to give us a pastor. And so we thank you for the office that you have set Marianne and myself in. We recognize that you have anointed us. We, we recognize that you have graced us. And now, Father, I ask for, for help from this body that you've raised up at Birthed Family Church, that they would increase in this, in this area of praying for us, that they wouldn't pray as much for us naturally as they would pray for us spiritually. In that, those giftings and those callings that are upon us will come forth in, in greater uh, manifestation and the anointing will increase and the divine enablement will be readily seen in our midst because we're trusting you to work through flesh in Jesus name amen so let's get down to prayers that we can pray for your pastor hallelujah so what we're going to do is we're going to look at some verses and we're going to pull some, some components out of what these verses are saying or asking God to do through your pastor. So go on over and we've, we've looked at these verses already, but we're going to now extract what we're going to ask in praying for our pastor. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And let me just, in, in way of understanding, is this is going to be a limited view of what we can pray for for your pastor. I mean, this is not the end all scriptures to use and prayers to pray. There's many more, and I look forward to adding to it. And I want to get to a place where I have a handout based upon this, this teaching that we've done this last couple of weeks and put them into prayers that you can pray like we do with the Ephesians prayer. Now let me, let me say this. The most powerful prayer that any believer can pray on the earth is when you and I take the word of God and lift it up to the God, God the Father in Jesus name and tell him this is what you told me to pray and then you pray what he tells you to pray and believe by faith that he's now granted it to you and to whom you're praying for that's the most powerful prayer that you can ever pray. Because this word of, the word of God represents God's mind. It represents his will. It represents his plan. It represents what he's doing right now in real time on the earth through his body. And so when you take that which is from his heart and you lift it up to him believing... That's the most powerful prayer that you can make. 
Hallelujah. And so that's all we're doing. We're just going to look at several openings, and then we're just going to pray what it tells us to pray. And in that, God will respond, and God will manifest himself through those prayers. So here we are in Ephesians chapter 6. We're looking at verse 18. We're told here to pray always with all types, all kinds of prayer and supplication, obviously from our spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And then he begins to entreat us, the body of Christ, to pray for the Apostle Paul, to pray for this ministry gift. And pray for me. Now look at the very first thing he asked us to pray for in his behalf. And pray for me that utterance would be given unto me. Utterance. Now, that, that's not a word that we use in our common vernacular. Utterance. I want you to consider that this word utterance means a divine expression. Divine expression. Now, he's asking for utterance. He's asking for articulation. He's asking for a means to speak natural words that will emanate from their heart into the hearts of those that are hearing. You see, the impartation of God's life from the word of God is a spiritual transaction. It's a spiritual transaction. And even though we're speaking natural words that are being heard by natural, mental, intellectual ears, that is not the, 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 the area or that's not where we're trying to invest that word into. It has to get down to that life source that's in our innermost being. It has to get into our spirit because that's where God's love is. That's where God's faith is. That's where we can begin to create that which we hear with our heart. And so he's saying, I want you to believe that I have utterance a divine expression, a spiritual expression of that which appears to be natural and get it into the hearts of the hearer. That way they get fed. That way they get enlightened. That way they get quickened, strengthened, undergird, encouraged, and then they begin to see steps to walk out what they hear. And thus creating what they hear. So he's, he's asking, hey, I just don't want to get in front of people and give them an intellectual discourse. He tells us, let's look, look at that. Going over to Corinthians. Maybe I can't go as fast as I thought I could. Going over to Corinthians. Now, what's he asking for? Utterance. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And begin in verse 1. And he says, And I, brethren, so he's talking to the believers here at the church at Corinth. He says, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellency of speech. See, he didn't come to dazzle them with his discourse and how eloquently he was speaking. I didn't come with my wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined before I spoke not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Verse 4, 
and my speech, that which I said to you, and my preaching was not with enticing words of what? Man's wisdom. You see, when he begins asking to to get utterance from God, to, to preach and to speak the mysteries of Christ, he's saying, I need spiritual utterance. I need words to emanate from the Holy Spirit through my spirit to your ears. So I'm not here to give you what I know, but I'm here to give you a demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So this is exactly what we're asking here when we're asking to give your pastor utterance. We're asking that he would speak, she would speak as the oracles of God, that he would speak by the Holy Spirit. And not just to rattle off what we know intellectually. Does, it, does that make sense? So this, this utterance that we're asking for our pastor is a divine expression, a spiritual expression of the word of God. It's a divine explanation. You see, Jesus was the master teacher. The master teacher. And he developed skills to begin describing things that could not be seen, spiritual principles that could not be seen with natural physical examples. He likened the word of God unto a natural seed and how that process of taking a seed can get to grow a harvest and, and to multiply that seed multiple times over in a life of an individual. And he was a master teacher by being able to explain spiritual truths to them from natural examples so that they can embrace it and apply it. That's utterance. That's spiritual utterance. Utterance is also making known a spiritual mystery. You see, Christ is really an enigma and a mystery to the entire world. They think they know who he is. They think they know what he was supposed to have done. But it's all up here in that realm of the intellect, and so what he really, who he really is and what he really has done is a complete mystery to them. And you know, it wasn't too long ago that that was true with you and I. I was clueless as to, in, in terms of who Jesus Christ was. Oh, I had my ideas, and those ideas had me satisfied not to look further into the truth. But it wasn't until I came around an individual that had utterance to share the message of salvation. And so now he wasn't speaking intellectually. He wasn't speaking from knowledge. He was speaking by experience and by relationship with the Holy Spirit that was upon him and began to share and articulate about a mystery that began to become clear to me to be made known unto me. See, that spiritual expression of the gospel changed my life because God had given a man an anointing and utterance to speak the word of God to my ears. And that's what we're asking of our pastor, that he'd not come up here, and I really don't like talking to my, about myself in the third person, so... If you're uncomfortable with that, I want you to know I'm uncomfortable with that, all right? But you're believing that God is giving me words 
that will begin to cause a greater light to fall upon the ears of your heart. And that he will speak to you in such a way by that anointing, by that utterance, by that spiritual expression that the light's going to come on down here. And that truth is going to become more and more of a reality to you. It'll become a truth and not simply knowledge. Hallelujah. Let's go to the next part of this request by Paul in Ephesians chapter 6. So first we, we pray that the Lord would give our pastor utterance, that he can articulate the word of God by the Holy Spirit. Number two, notice in verse 19 that I, he's talking about I, Paul, who we say I, your pastor, may open my mouth boldly. So we're, we're asking that, that God would give me utterance to make known the mystery of Christ, but now that, that I'd be able to speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now this word boldly doesn't mean rude. It doesn't mean in your face. It doesn't mean shouting. Think of it this way. It means to speak unashamed. Speaking the message being unashamed of what God is saying. You, you may not have experienced this. Well, I'm sure that you have. There's sometimes that we become cautious or we become mindful of how's this person going to take what I'm about to say about Jesus Christ, about the word of God. Many times when I see out here and, 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 there's, and the Lord's leading me to speak on certain things and to, to be bold and, and to just get it out there, you know, there's this hesitation. Well, am I going to offend them? Is this too much of a challenge for them? Right? That's when I need boldness. I need to recognize that he's leading me and I need to say it being unashamed. Amen? Knowing that it's the truth and ultimately it's coming from him. This boldness also means to speak with confidence. Confidence. That same confidence that we have in the faith that he's given us. And this is the confidence that we have in him and if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know he hears us and we know we have what we've requested of him that's a confidence that's a knowing that's an assurance and that's how you want your pastor to preach to you yeah i don't know it says this but you know this is you know this is you know that's not boldness certainly not confidence and it isn't faith remember you want was coming from your pastor to emanate from his spirit by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, the, the third area. We talked a little bit about this. You need to pray that your pastor can make known the mystery of the gospel. Going over to... Um, I guess it's the latter part of verse 19 where we are in Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, 19. We're, we're saying that you're to speak boldly as you are to speak to make known. To what? To reveal, to disclose, to unfold the mystery of the gospel. Now understand that for the most part, 
it would seem to appear that the word of God is written in code. And it needs the help of the Holy Spirit to interpret it or to see it and perceive it in order to embrace it. The Bible tells us that we have an unction, an anointing individually from the Holy Spirit to teach us all things. A lot of people wonder, well, why, didn't, why isn't the Bible more straightforward? Well, because the gospel is hidden to those that believe not. It's only open to those who desire it, who hunger after it, and those that seek it. And this is why salvation is not so readily received in our culture, because we don't have that many people who are hungry. Amen. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. It took me 24 years to get hungry for the truth. Because I was trying this, and I was trying that, and I was doing this, and I was doing that. And yet, not getting anywhere. It was finally where I got fed up with being fed up. And I got serious about looking for the truth. And that's when this man crossed my path that spoke by the utterance of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. So, what does it mean to make known the mystery of the gospel? Well, it means to speak by revelation. Speak by revelation. Speaking revelation knowledge instead of sense knowledge. Now, going over to Acts 4... And, you know, I thought we'd be just about done by now, but that's how it goes sometimes around here at BFC. We'll be okay. Are we going to be all right tonight? This is an astounding testimony. Acts chapter 4, verse 10. We're talking about speaking by the help of the Holy Spirit, being able to speak by revelation. And you're praying for your pastor that he'd speak by revelation, that he'll say things he's never said before. He'll reveal things that he's never revealed before. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's at work. How many of you know that he knows more than I do? Amen? Look here in Acts chapter 4, verse 10. And this is Peter and John and that man that was lame from his mother's womb. He was supernaturally healed. He's speaking to the leaders of Israel. Now, when you think about this, Think about him talking to Harvard professors. You see, there is a very big gap in America in the different levels of knowledge. But back in this time of when this was written in Acts chapter 4, the gap was huge. Most people could not read or write much less have a formal education. And there was just a select few that could read or write and had the ability to not only have been taught, but also to be developed intellectually to teach. And so here's Peter preaching. And he's saying to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Now, that was pretty bold. He was not intimidated by these religious leaders. You know, the one you killed four years ago? Crucified him. Whom God raised from the dead, even by him, does this man, this crippled man, stand here before you whole. And this is the stone which was set at naught 
of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there, there is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. This is such an example of boldness. Look at verse 13. Look at the ramifications and the effect of them speaking boldly the truth of the word of God. Now when, now when they saw, what did they see? The boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men. They were what? Unlearned and ignorant men. They marveled. And took knowledge of them that they had been with somebody. Jesus. Now understand this. Even though I don't know if Peter could read or write. I don't know if he did or not. It doesn't really matter. But measured to them, they were unlearned and ignorant men, comparing themselves with Peter and John. They were nobodies. Nobodies. Yet, they were speaking the wisdom of God. Holy Spirit. And the only explanation was they were hanging around with this guy named Jesus. You see, that's speaking by revelation. Now see, I'm not the best articulator in terms of the English language. There's many words I still cannot pronounce correctly. But that doesn't hinder me by speaking by revelation. Any more than it hindered Peter and John. I butcher the English language. I make mistakes. But I'm trusting I get more right than I get wrong. And by speaking by the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm speaking, even though I'm unlearned, even though I'm an ignorant man, my relationship with God and my yieldedness to him is allowing him to speak through me by revelation. And people's lives are being changed. Not because of anything that I know, but just simply being a conduit to what he knows. So here you can pray that your pastor would speak by revelation. I, I, this, this, this would be a good place to say this. Too many times, believers try and develop relationships with people God has set in their life to help them and to oversee them. And there's a danger when you develop a relationship naturally speaking with a vessel that God uses because then you start to relate to their personality and who they are humanly than who they are in the body of Christ. See, too many people want their pastor to be their bud. Let's go out to coffee. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. And there may be times where you have the liberty to do that. But there's a danger with you getting to know who they are in the flesh more than you know who they are in the spirit. You know... There were times that, that, that I would get frustrated that, that I was speaking into people's lives and they just weren't getting it. And the Lord showed me, they said, well, they've just got too accustomed to your personality and who you are in the flesh. 
and they've kind of closed their ears to what you're saying. And they can't recognize when you're speaking by the Spirit or when you're speaking by being Bruce. Interesting, isn't it? Number four, let's go over to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. I think we're going to get her done. Everybody said? It's a Christmas miracle. Number four, we need to pray that the word of God has free course. Isn't it interesting that most of these expressions tonight, we're not really familiar with it. Utterance, boldness, free course. That's why they had to be explained. It says here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord, everybody say the word of the Lord, that would be the Bible, may have free course. Now, I have to uh, admit to all of us tonight that I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> and so what I did is I went to my go-to translation, the Amplified, to find out what that Greek word that was translated into free course. And it just simply means that it was spread rapidly. We are to pray and believe that through our pastor that the word of God would spread rapidly in our midst. It's kind of like wildfire. We don't want a slow burn. No, we want to torch the whole forest. Right? And that brought me over here to a verse the Lord gave me months ago, and now I understand what it's saying. Going over to Acts 19.20... Acts 19.20, so mightily grew, what? The word of God and prevailed. This is talking about the word of God having free course, having it spread rapidly like, like a forest fire. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. How did it prevail? By spreading over our entire city, our entire county, our entire tri-county, our, our entire northern Colorado. I'll tell you, when, when the fires of revival not only are ignited, but they take root. You know what I'm talking about when you make a campfire, right? We keep blowing on it and blowing on it. It's, the embers are going, right? But it's really not, hasn't taken root yet. But then when it starts taking root and things are crackling, you know, it's, 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 it's ready to go. Amen? And when the word of God gets to that place, it takes everything out of its way. It purges, it cleanses, it clears. We can pray that the word of God would have free course at Birthed Family Church. It would spread rapidly. All right. We're going to look at this last one, number five. Go with me to Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. And that's to pray for a door of utterance. Now, we know what a door is. A door takes us from one place to another. A door is a separation from one room to another or from the inside to the outside. And so when you go through that door, you're going to a new place. And he says, I want you to pray here in, in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. He says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. With all or in addition, praying also for us that God, who? God would open to us a door. That means maybe the door was closed then. 
if you had to ask God to open it? What is this door? It's a door of utterance to do what? To speak the mystery of Christ. Now listen to me. God is asking for us to open the door of opportunity to preach the gospel. Open the door of opportunity to preach the gospel. Now, how do we open a door to, to opportunity? Look in Romans 10, verse 14. I wish I had an extra 30 minutes right here. We'll see if he wants us to look this over later on. We'll see. Romans 10, 14. It says, how then shall they, that would be the unbeliever, how is it possible for them to call on Christ in whom they have not believed? What's going to be the opportunity? What's going what's to be the door that's open to them? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? You see, no person can believe above their current store of knowledge. What I can receive from the Lord is based solely upon my knowledge of him. So how can they believe if they haven't heard and don't have the knowledge to believe? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Verse 15, and how shall they preach except they be what? Sent. Now see, asking for a door of utterance is asking for us to be sent to speak the mystery of Christ. You see, a lot of times... We don't always have the agreement with the Spirit of God in whom we're sharing with, speaking to. This is more in terms of believers and sharing the gospel. But you've got to understand that your pastors have been sent to Burford. We didn't pick Burford. It wasn't the number one place that we wanted to go. I didn't have any posters in my bedroom of Berthoud as a resort town. My wife had her idea where she wanted to go preach. I had an idea where I wanted to go preach. But the Lord emphatically said, you come to Berthoud, Colorado. Well, he sent us here. So we have a door in this community to preach the gospel. That means we have his assistance to preach the gospel because it's his will that we're here. Amen? And just a note to self, we're not going nowhere. I told your dad that before he went home. I said, we're not going nowhere. Well, how long are you going to be in Berthoud? Well, we'll be here a while. We got no indication of going anywhere else. Remember, I want to I hear the words, well done, by good and stay put, servant. Not to jump in from here to there. Right? Good and faithful. Good and faithful. But as you pray for a door of utterance for your pastor, begin to remind him 
that you sent them here. You've empowered them to have this, this vehicle of 18 acres and its first building. You're building up more and more of what you have opened up to us as a church with the help of our pastors. And when you do that, you start citing presidents and you cite what God has done and what he's doing and you can claim that door is opening wider and wider and wider and more and more opportunities are coming and taken advantage of. I'm telling you, the devil doesn't like this message of us praying for our pastors. He don't like it. Because it's getting God involved. It's getting us back in a place of faith and trust and believing in him and not going by how things may appear, but going by what the word of God says and what he's promised us. And if we'll just lay a hold of it and run with it together as a group, forget about it. It's going to be good. Amen. So, Father, I thank you for this message of praying for those that you've anointed, those that you have gifted with your grace, those that you've gifted with your abilities, oh, and, your, and most importantly, your anointing. Help us to rally behind our pastors. Help these, Lord, that you've joined by our sides to to, to pick up their cross and follow you, primarily in that realm of prayer. Giving you our faith, giving you our trust, giving you our heart, saying, yes, it will be thus and so. In Jesus' name. And in that, Lord, we shall see the gospel being preached in free course. That it shall spread rapidly like wildfire consuming darkness setting people free and causing those recipients of your truth and your son to grow in the things of God we thank you for it father in Jesus name everyone believe and said amen well thanks for coming out guys See you next time.